Hey there, we're listening to Emmer Smith working in an underground base. He had contact with ETs. All colored. I mean, it's white. Everything's white and seamless. But they all have these really fiber optic lines in them. So I might be in operating room red 46 or you know pink 72 that day. And I was always escorted. And we have these little wristbands they put on when you get there. You're always being tracked. So you can't go off the course. You follow your line to where you're going. No one knows. You don't know what's going on in the operating room next to you. These are all vac vacuum sealed. So there's two compartmentalized areas before you go inside these things. <laughs> so first, you know, uh, you have to put the suit on, by the way. And it has its own uh, biometric system inside of it that measures my heart rate my blood pressure and if i'm sweating or if i'm getting nervous and you know there was one time i did get a little weirded out when i first saw my first full body and they're like smith you okay and i'm like man they know my heart rate's up. yeah it's like a lie detector and i'm like deep breath i'm like oh yeah i'm fine <laughs> this is great you, you might want to elaborate your full body of an extraterrestrial, right? Yeah. My, my first full body extraterrestrial, correct, yeah. And, and can you, I mean, without going into the, any gory details, could you tell us what that kind of looked like? <laughs> and it was obviously deceased, right? Yes, um, it was deceased, of course. All, all the uh, specimens I got were deceased. I didn't... <laughs> open alive anything okay. <laughs> that would be horrific <laughs> uh so anyway i did take a, a sample uh so anyway this was a small four foot being it was uh, uh kind of mesomorphic what we call in uh, in body somatotypes which is like a small little bodybuilder and it was blue and it had a uh, very big eyes and it had very long hair and it had very, very small hands and feet. Describe the hair. What was the hair like? The hair was black. Okay. And it was very, very thick. Okay. Yeah. And you know I've done lots of these because I explained different ones. Yeah. Like I did earlier today. Um, and I was going in there just to take out um, one of the organs. And it, what's surprising is they all have a head and two arms and two legs. And I really thought, after a couple of these, that maybe they're just growing these things. Maybe they're clones. Or I wasn't really sure they were extraterrestrial. And I wasn't allowed to ask until later on down the road. So that led me, you know, of course, going home at night, going, what is going on? What are they doing? What are they making? You know, and I can't say anything. Can you imagine being exposed to something and you're not allowed to say what is this where did it come from how did you get it so it does it like messes with you uh but thank goodness i kept my mouth shut and later on during the projects i was able to see craft as well and more bodies and also life and then i i got to meet life extraterrestrials that were work hand in hand with me that were uh, like a types of surgeons and uh, that was a very exciting moment. 
Okay, so you started with tissue samples and you went on to the full bodied and then they began to trust you. Is that why you went on to different levels? Yeah, every quarter, you know, um, how you, how well you perform and how often you really want to be there. It's up to you, by the way. Um, so you have to. You actually volunteered and signed a paper. Um, but they're very lenient because they go through a lot of people because not everyone can keep it shut. And by the way, uh, just to clear the air, um, a couple of my colleagues on the show have said, oh, well, Emory Smith did 3,000 autopsies on 3,000 different ETs. That's, that's not true. I could do 28 specimens, just pieces of meat, okay, pieces of muscle, pieces of brain or material one day so it's not like i had all those those were not all full bodies that's that's a misleading thing you hear online about me you know these were just tissue samples you know i've only maybe seen maybe 300 350 full bodies or you know torsos or whatever you know different parts of the bodies okay so the progression of the chronology of this is then it has to go somewhere. And you also said, I think I remember you said it paid well, so you wanted to buy a motorcycle or something. <laughs> That's why you... you well, I was very young, you know, and I, you know, I love my job working in the Air Force, uh, doing all these amazing things. And every time they had an opportunity to take a class or whatever, it was for free, of course. And, you know, I was signing up for everything because I just, I was... You know, just I love the opportunity of education for free, number one. And I also love to be part of something that was kind of classified. You know, it was exciting. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I wasn't really that conscious enough at that moment to really grasp what was happening. You know, I wanted, I did, I did, I, I did it. It was because there was extra money. You know, I could have went off base and worked at Burger King, but, you know, <laughs> okay, probably shouldn't have said that. exciting is this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what we're dealing with now is a progression in your life where evidently you were trusted enough to go from the, the kind of autopsies to interaction. But I'm going to add something as a researcher. Somebody down the line must have known you had contact. And that you that you could maybe interact. I think they did because after you know, joining the auxiliary of the Air Force at thirteen, you know, I was approached a lot right after that. And you know, you, you do these ASFAB tests and and things like this to get into the military. It shows like, okay, this guy would be good at mechanics. This guy would be good at scrubbing toilets, and this guy would be good at you know, mathematics, and this guy would be good as a pilot. And, yeah, I took that test. But then, every month, they would take me back to MacDill Air Force Base and say, my recruiter, and this is all throughout my life, saying, oh, we want to do some more testing. Would you be, you know, up for that? And I said, yeah, sure. And it was cool because it had to do with problem solving. It had to do with geometric shapes. It had to do with things that I never really thought about. IQ testing too. Oh, for sure. They were probably yeah. doing this. So I think they 
kind of had a plan for me before I even knew what was before going you know on. Where you were going. Because they really talked me out of the flying the jet. It really okay. upset me. You want to be Top Gun? I know we got that. Tom Cruise was in the <laughs> jet, <laughs> and he had the motorcycle, and I wanted yes. the motorcycle on the jet. Yeah. So, Do you ever wish you went down that path? Well, I actually got to Do that. fly. Uh, Small planes, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to fly in a lot of uh, jets, uh, T-38s and uh, F-16s, F-15s. But I wasn't, you know, the pilot. You were top gun. Yeah, I was, I was top gun. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I did get a fast motorcycle. <laughs> and I did have my own flight suit. And I looked pretty cool. Okay, well, let's go to, because I, I think everybody that is here, I think, really wants to know people that experienced ETs, and of course, we all get uh, asked, are they good or bad? Are they all coming to eat us? Are they, what are they here for? All of these questions that we get asked all the time as researchers. So can you describe a little bit your interaction in the beginning days with the live ETs? Well, the first uh, few times that I met live ETs, they were tall whites that looked very similar to us, their ears and cartilage and their nose and ears were di very different. Uh, it was smaller, a little bit pointier, and their lips were smaller. Uh, they were very tall. They were at least a foot taller than me. I'm six foot four, but they were very ectomorphic, which means they were long, lean bone people. And uh, No fat people. The, I never saw, well, I did see a, a like this, it was like a, Bulbous blob type ET one time oh, really? that could turn into anything it was really neat. You could morph. It could morph. Yeah, it was very interesting. Okay. But so my first experiences, you know, w you know, actually looking at one at a board table kind of thing, and they they told us there's going to be three of them in there, and this is after two years of me being in the projects. It took that long for me to get to that level. And they said, you know, we're going to be working, uh, you're going to be uh, working with this person, this person. And they said person uh, who's, you know, uh, of not of Earth origin, uh, an extraterrestrial. And they're going to be helping you, uh, you know, you're going to be assisting them actually on an autopsy of one of their own kind. So that's when we had to start to learn the language of telepathy. And that was probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life um, because there are no secrets with telepathy. <laughs> so they know everything that's in my crazy head. <laughs> and um, so there's no secrets. It's Emory and, uh, But they're very comical and they're very funny. And when I'm grab, it's like, when you're assisting someone in surgery, like normal surgery, someone would be like, you know, scalpel, hemostat, you know, whatever. And with this, you, it's just, it's so fluid, you already know what they need. You know, it's like you're already, it's already there, the message. And it's not a voice or anything. And it's very important when you do telepathy that you ground yourself before you go into the CE5s or if you're going to meet an extraterrestrial. Because they pick up on your vibration. They pick up on the frequency of emotion. 
telepathy is based off emotion. That's where it spawns from. And if you just had a fight, you know, with your loved one, and then you're going to go to work, and I'm going to walk up to the table and say, uh, you know, hello, how are you today? Telepathically, it's going to be like, hello, how are you today? <laughs> so they pick up on the, the energy of the emotion that you have within you. So you really have to center yourself and and clear yourself and get your head straight before you go in there because you don't want to give off the wrong vibe. You know, they're smart enough to know this. And there's many different levels of extraterrestrials on the board today. I, I just wanted to like every person that talked on there, I was like, I just wanted to say something, but you know, I respect my colleagues. So there's many different levels of IQ and consciousness of extraterrestrials. So you might have an extraterrestrial group with you that's 2,000 years more advanced. You might have one that's 500,000 more advanced. You might have one that's 1 billion years in advance and they can perform themselves and turn themselves into a light body and immediately. Or they can turn themselves into Paula or Robert Perot. I mean, bam, like that. They have this ability because they have mastered, you know, this uh, interdimensional uh, atomic level that uh, can't really explain, but Nassim does it way better. Did you really say to them, hello, how are you today? Or did you just walk in and do your job and walk out? Oh, no, it was very uh, cordial. Um, there, there was always communication going on. And... Um, you know, I, I told everyone uh, who was at the board uh, saw the panel today. Like, it was very funny because I, I remember one Friday night, I was so excited just to get out of there because I had a hot date. And I was like, man. And I just remember him saying, oh, have fun tonight. <laughs> and I just was like, <clears throat> and I just started laughing. I mean, laughing, laughing, Because he laughing. read you very clearly, did he? He knew I wanted to get out of there, and he knew everything I was doing that weekend I had planned. <laughs> I mean, it was just a picnic on my fast bike, but hey. Yeah, you, know. you, you told me another story once which really got to, to my heart, and that mm -hmm. is you said you were in the room, uh, you know, working with one, and you wanted water like you're going to get right now. Uh, and you said the uh, that the being knew you wanted the bottle of water, and before he even reached for it, the being reached for The it. being gave me the water. Gave him the water. And it was like, it was so fast and weird. Milliseconds. It was like, I didn't even finish the word water in my brain. Like, where's some... And, it, and here it is. I didn't even finish it. And I make all my uh, my students, when we go on uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind and contact ETs out in the, in the middle of nowhere, I make everyone memorize about 300 questions. Because when the ETs, uh, if they do come, you, within point, I think we measured it, point zero three seconds, all 300 questions are answered. And then you're standing there like, you're either, you're either laughing, crying, or smiling because you want to ask now one billion more questions, and you can't. It's just not. It's 
not nice. And you don't run up to an ET and take a picture of him. You always ask, can, may I take a picture of you? And mm -hmm. I'm the one who took the light beam picture, yeah. the most famous, um, uh, as the Navy said, the most famous civilian uh, picture ever taken of, a, of an extraterrestrial on Boca Grand Island during a CE-5 with uh, Dr. Uh, Mr. Greer and myself and 55 people out there. And um, uh, you're going to be privy to that very soon, by the way. This picture is going to be able to, to be accessed by all of you. And it came, uh, the craft came up on the shore, and it was about three feet in front of me. It was about 12 inches in diameter. The being itself was maybe eight inches high, and it looked like a teardrop with a halo around it and a heart chakra and a line through the center of it. Has anyone seen this picture online? Yeah. Well, you're going to see it at our booth at zerocross.co here if you're coming to the next conference. Um, so check that out. It'll probably be also on zerocross.co on the, on the website here pretty soon. So what I did is I made a, a couple of artists made some renditions of, of the actual picture. So I'm going to show you the real picture, um, you know, online. Uh, and then um, at the same time, you can buy these posters if you'd like to donate to uh, to us and um, check it out and because they come in the form of light we're all light beings you know we're, we're all in a vibra uh, this vibration you know our dna we're a crystalline structure you know we're no different you know than a radio to be honest and that's why a lot of us are effective uh, affected by like lights and emf fields and things like this because it disrupts our body but have no fear it makes us stronger generation to generation to generation all right security what's that battery change good all right okay the thing is that everybody's curious because very very rarely do we meet people uh insiders or people that have had these experiences and in the field we've categorized all ets as reptilians grays and nordics i mean really simple you know show them in a box that's what they are can you can you describe for the general public because this is a question i would ask some of the personalities some of the beings now they're working with you you said something really interesting this morning you said some of these crashes are intentional so we learn about the technology i've heard that before in my research some of these crashes are intentional because they're helping us evolve so they give us a t hopefully that the, we have conscience to develop the technology for good hopefully but can you talk about their intentions and describe several of these beings you said 300 different i heard you say 300 different uh, kinds of beings well the be the beings are unlimited on the amount of beings i'm a, i'm aware of about 300 different races now we're we're a human race kind of and one of the things i learned um, through the projects when we took dna was that extraterrestrials had human dna in them mm. isn't Why? that interesting that would change our whole entire field wouldn't it so that told me, uh, and I helped develop the database uh, for the projects to collect uh, many specimens and different races of DNA that you know, hopefully they'll release in the next 24 months, I hope, which will answer a lot of different things. Because
because you know the biggest question I get is, you know, number one, Emery, are you an ED? Or I think I'm an ED because I just don't fit in around here. And you know, no one fits in because you're not, you know, you're of this place, but you're not from here because everyone has different percentages actually of extraterrestrial DNA in you from all over the galaxies. So think about that for a moment. And that's proven already. But they don't want you to know that. And whether we were made by the Anunnaki or made by whatever, you are from the stars. You are stardust. Um, getting back to the question. Sorry, I went on a tangent. You know, but you also said, no, no, this is something that we need to hear. Um, and by the way, it's not just Anunnaki. I don't think the Native, Native Americans believe that they come from the Anunnaki. But anyway, <laughs> try to broaden your minds on this subject and study a little bit more. We can't just do things in boxes. You know, everybody comes from the Anunnaki, and then you have the Lakota who say they come from the Pleiades. So, uh, you know, uh, the you had mentioned, which really interested me, because uh, also uh, Clifford Stone had told me this, that some of these crashes are intentional so that we can develop um, technologies that may help the planet, whether we use it that way or not, is a different story. I've been on multiple crash sites and have uh, collected materials you know, we kind of wall it off, treat it like a forensic-type murder-type situation uh, like you see on TV. And I get called in to uh, look at the craft, number one, look at the bodies from afar. We have satellites that are, like, can zoom in right here and see the carpet fiber uh, through clouds. So we have so much amazing technology before we get there because it can be very dangerous. It can be radiation, it could be chemical, biological things. We have air scrubbers that suck the air from around the area, the area before we even get in there. And then we run those samples through this, uh, these, these uh, machines to see if there is some sort of, you know, harmful thing that could hurt the team going in to, you know, investigate. It's a, it's a huge thing. At the same time, they're covering everything up, walk, you know, blocking the roads, the police... Fire departments have, you know, co uh, you know special codes uh, and stuff that are in their protocols of things like this. And, of course, they blame it on, like, a train spilled over or a truck with chemicals blew up. Or, you know, they always cover up some silly story. And then everyone, you know, kind of like in what's it, there's a third kind, yeah. they did something like that. Um, but that's real. And, uh, and that's what they do. And that's what we do. So we go in there and... There might be a piece of metal or a shard of material or a limb or a being laying down that needs to be resuscitated. And since the teams that come out here have been in the projects and we've, we're familiar with the exobiology of these beings, I'm an exobiologist, so we know, you know, what's safe to touch, what's not safe to touch. We also know, is that a weapon or is that a, uh, a device used to, you know, do something else for the, the craft? The most interesting thing we found out is if we take the being and it's alive somewhat and we resuscitate it or, you know, right now we always try to keep them alive. We don't put them in the oil drums anymore with formaldehyde and ship them to... Uh, 
the room lake and then they get there and there's nothing there left because they've what? dissolved because they don't understand that a lot of beings have to be under a certain atmosphere they breathe different gases than we do so we're learning also how to recreate these atmospheres to keep the beings alive and, and to save them and you know we'll get into that in a second why they do all this and so we go out there and we might see a piece of something they don't know what it is we'll you know in a sterile fashion collect this piece of equipment or part of the the wreck wreckage of course try to save the passengers uh, that were on this and we noticed a few of these passengers were actually uh not completely uh, uh organic i'll say they were more like cybernetic mixed with tissue and uh, some of them were like kind of clones with uh, nanotechnology in them and we found out later that uh, a lot of the stuff, like these cameras here and everything else we have, unfortunately, guys, we're not that smart to make a plasma screen. But it's all reverse engineered. There's a little bit of everything that you see, especially like with electronics, that has been reverse engineered from uh, extraterrestrial vehicles and extraterrestrial DNA and, uh, and things like this that we have collected. We now have a program that's been going on for 10 years up, up in the space, and it's space salvaging. And we're bringing back parts of craft and other things uh, from outer space. And this is an ongoing thing daily. And we do have other space stations that are up there that you don't know about uh, that uh, these uh, people that are you know working on the salvaging crews are collecting stuff and then sending it back down here so we can analyze it, reproduce it, and uh, make amazing materials. And that's why you hear new materials coming out all the time. Since I've you know come forward, uh, uh, was it a year and two months ago, I think, year and two, oh my gosh, it's been that long, the November before last, that over you know 50 different things that I've spoken about on Gaia TV have been now in in the news, you know, reported like new materials, new medical equipment, because they're like, oh man, it's already out there. You already said it. Corporations are fighting over the patents. They want to, you know, make it. So it's good. So they're listening. So we're evolving a little bit faster because of all of you. Also, is this transnational? This is global. It isn't just the United States is doing this, right? It's transnational that's interested in this? Oh, you know, we have, uh, you know, Vatican has their place. You know, Australia's got their place. You know, China and Russia. And we have our places. Mm. And they are corporate, mm. you know, driven. It's not government. It's not the, it's not the government. It's not the United States Air Force that has a facility that's doing all this. They're protecting the facilities, you know, at these uh, military bases or um, government land, government-owned land, especially Indian reservations have a lot of underground facilities because they want to, like, not have a lot of traffic going through there. That's why Indian reservations have their own, you know, police departments and things like this. Uh, and, and that's another, you know, good point to point out that a lot of these facilities are on uh, national park lands and BLM lands and... Indian reservations and 
military and, bases. And, and you said that's it's an industrial program. It's right, it's an industrial care. military complex, yeah. but it's not military as it's militarized, but it's a private militarized. Is what I'm saying. Okay, going back to what you were going to talk about, because I'm going to remind you, you said that the bees were resuscitated for a Black reason budget. that you were going to tell us later on. What was the reason to resuscitate all these different beings? I mean, what did they want to do? What's... Well, you know, you're talking about a highly evolved human talking about you guys 100,000 years from now we can learn a lot about someone like us that's 100,000 years more advanced and older we can look at your DNA fill in the gaps make sure we never get sick you know develop special synthetic proteins and genome sequencing and things like this Big Pharma has a huge control over all of this. So many things are cured by these, um, you know, by collecting, you know, specimens of, of, ET. of extraterrestrials yeah. and also uh, craft and uh, other devices. Could they regenerate limbs? Do they regenerate anything? Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been able to do that forever. We have 3D printers. We can print bodies now. The biggest thing, uh, it's funny because I started talking about 3D printing, you know, a year ago for organs and for, you know, and they just came out like a month ago and said, you know, we just 3D printed in a year. You know, but it's like, yeah, it's cool. But you know what they don't, they don't say, the news doesn't tell you how they do it, which I don't like. You know, they're using cellulose and collagen and I could go into the scientific parts of it where we're using growth factors and stem cells to do this with your own tissue so i just need a little bit of your tissue and then have a scaffolding of cellulose and collagen and then make your own ear but the, the coolest thing is we can make your own organs now china is over there making clones and growing people to kill them because 33 people a day die over there waiting to be you know waiting for an, uh, an organ transplant which, you know, it's kind of, for me, I can't really agree with that because it's, you know, it's a person. <laughs> yeah, what was amazing when you start getting into your medical self, because you have all this knowledge, is you were saying that we have today the ability to not only regenerate ourselves, our tissue, our teeth, or you don't have to have a prosthetic arm, you could regenerate these things, but you also say we have the cures for a lot of the diseases. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I met the guy who invented HIV. I met the guy who cured HIV. Um, there's a lot of viruses that come out new all the time. It's just for testing, you know. Uh, it's for sale to countries and terrorist groups. And if you have ever walked through what the fuck is it for sale to terrorist groups or an airport? Oh, they're all terrorists, terrorist groups. Or pass by a camera under a red light, they pretty much have your DNA signature, which is pretty much all of you. And that 
DNA signature, every one of you give off a different frequency. And this frequency is in a database and this is mm -hmm. a control thing. And it's also has to do with race political too. So they can actually send down a frequency to this exact individual or beam the whole thing through seven satellites over the whole planet, just this one frequency to know exactly that you're sitting in this chair in front of me and then stop your heart. And this is beyond scalar infotometry. Read Tom Bearden's book. And you also Oblivion. and you also mentioned they could they could exterminate whole groups of people because of the signature. Of right. The so they can they can actually terminate an entire race due to its lineage if they really wanted to, which is very scary. So if they wanted, you know, a certain race, you know, completely genocide. You know, they can actually do that right now. So this is a scary, this is a very scary and negative part, which I don't like talking. No, about. well, it's not necessarily, because every technology has a positive and negative use. Every technology. And I know that in, in your heart, you, your conversation is 90% that you want to go back into the biomedical because you want to save. And uh, you want to pull up a little bit. No, number one, every, are you an ET? <laughs> or I think I'm an ET. I just don't fit in around here. <laughs> and, you know, no one fits in because you're not, you know, you're of this place, but you're not from here because everyone has different percentages, actually, of extraterrestrial DNA in you from all over the galaxies. So think about that for a moment. And that's proven already. But they don't want you to know that. And whether we were made by the Anunnaki or made by whatever... You are from the stars. You are stardust. Um, getting back to the question. Sorry, I went on a tangent. You know, but you also said, no, no, this is something that we need to hear. Um, and by the way, it's not just Anunnaki. I don't think the Native, Native Americans believe that they come from the Anunnaki. But anyway, <laughs> try to broaden your minds on this subject and study a little bit more. We can't just do things in boxes. You know, everybody comes from the Anunnaki, and then you have the Lakota, who say they come from the Pleiades. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the you had mentioned, which really interested me, because uh, also uh, Clifford Stone had told me this, that some of these crashes are intentional so that we can develop um, technologies that may help the planet, whether we use it that way or not, is a different story. I've been on multiple crash sites and have uh, collected materials you know, we kind of wall it off, treat it like a forensic-type murder-type situation uh, like you see on TV. And I get called in to uh, look at the craft, number one, look at the bodies from afar. We have satellites that are, like, can zoom in right here and see the carpet fiber uh, through clouds. So we have so much amazing technology before we get there because it can be very dangerous. It can radiation, it could be chemical, biological things. We have air scrubbers that suck the air from around the area, the area before we even get in there. And then we run those samples through this, uh, these, these uh, machines to see if there is some sort of, you know, harmful thing that could hurt the team going in to, you know, investigate. It's a, it's a huge thing. At the same time, they're covering everything up, walk, you know, blocking the roads, the police 
fire departments have, you know, co uh, uh, special codes uh, and stuff that are in their protocols of things like this. And of course they blame it on like a train spilled over or a truck with chemicals blew up or, you know, they always cover up some silly story. And then everyone, you know, kind of like in what's it called? a third kind, yeah. they did something like that. Um, but that's real. And, uh, and that's what they do. And that's what we do. So we go in there and there might be a piece of metal or a shard of material or a limb or a being laying down that needs to be resuscitated. And since the teams that come out here have been in the projects and we've we're familiar with the exobiology of these beings. I'm an exobiologist, so we know, you know, what's safe to touch, what's not safe to touch. We also know, is that a weapon or is that a, uh, a device used to, you know, do something else for the, the craft? The most interesting thing we found out is if we take the being and it's alive somewhat, and we resuscitate it or, you know, right now we always try to keep them alive. We don't put them in the oil drums anymore with formaldehyde and ship them to a you know, groomed lake and then they get there and there's nothing there left because it dissolved. Because they don't understand that a lot of beings have to be under a certain atmosphere. They breathe different gases than we do. So we're learning also how to recreate these atmospheres to keep the beings alive and, and to save them and you know we'll get into that in a second why they do all this and so we go out there and we might see a piece of something they don't know what it is so we'll you know in a sterile fashion collect this piece of the equipment or part of the, the, the wreck wreckage of course try to save the passengers uh, that were on this and we noticed that a few of these passengers were actually uh, not completely uh, uh, organic, I'll say. They were more like cybernetic mixed with tissue, and uh, some of them were like kind of clones with uh, na nanotechnology in them. And we found out later that uh, a lot of the stuff, like these cameras here and everything else we have, Unfortunately, guys, we're not that smart to make a plasma screen, but it's all reverse engineered. There's a little bit of everything that you see, especially like with electronics, that has been reverse engineered from uh, extraterrestrial vehicles and extraterrestrial DNA and, uh, and things like this that we have collected. We now have a program that's been going on for 10 years up, up in uh, space, and it's space salvaging. And we're bringing back parts of craft and other things uh, from outer space. And this is an ongoing thing daily. And we do have other space stations that are up there that you don't know about uh, that uh, these uh, people that are you know working on the salvaging crews are collecting stuff and then sending it back down here so we can analyze it, reproduce it, and uh, make amazing materials. And that's why you hear new materials coming out all the time. Since I've, you know, come forward, uh, uh, was it a year and two months ago? I think. A year and two, oh my gosh, it's been that long. The November before last, 
that over, you know, 50 different things that I've spoke about on Gaia TV have been now in, in the news, you know, reported like new materials, new medical equipment. Cause they're like, oh man, it's already out there. You already said it. Corporations are fighting over the patents. They want to, you know, make it. So it's good. So they're listening. So we're evolving a little bit faster because of all of you. Also, is this transnational? This is global. It isn't just the United States that's doing this, right? It's transnational that's interested in this? Oh, you know, we have, uh, you know, Vatican has their place. You know, Australia's got their place. You know, China and Russia. And we have our places. And they are corporate, you know, driven. It's not government. It's not the. It's not the government. It's not the United States Air Force that has a facility that's doing all this. They're protecting the facilities, you know, at these uh, military bases or um, government land, government-owned land. Especially Indian reservations have a lot of underground facilities because they want to like not have a lot of traffic going through there. That's why Indian reservations have their own, you know, police departments and things like this. Uh, and. And that's another, you know, good point to point out that a lot of these facilities are on uh, national park lands and BLM lands and Indian reservations and military and it, bases. And, and you said it's, it's an industrial program. It's right. It's an industrial care. military complex, yeah. but it's not military as it's militarized, but it's a private militarized is what I'm saying. Okay, going back to what you were going to talk about, because I'm going to remind you, you said that the beings were resuscitated for a reason, and that you were going to tell us later on. What was the reason to resuscitate all these different beings? I mean, what did they want to do? What's... Well, you know, you're talking about a highly evolved human talking about you guys under a thousand years from now we can learn a lot about someone like us that's a hundred thousand years more advanced and older we can look at your dna fill in the gaps make sure we never get sick you know develop special synthetic proteins and genome sequencing and things like this Big Pharma has a huge control over all of this. So many things are cured by these, uh, you know, by collecting, you know, specimens of, of, ET. of extraterrestrials yeah. and also uh, craft and uh, other devices. Could they regenerate limbs? Do they regenerate anything? Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been able to do that forever. We have 3D printers. We can print bodies now. The biggest thing, uh, it's funny because I started talking about 3D printing, you know, a year ago for organs and for, you know, and they just came out like a month ago and said, you know, we just 3D printed in a year. You know, but it's like, yeah, it's cool. But you know what they don't, they don't say, the news doesn't tell you how they do it, which I don't like. You know, they're using cellulose and collagen and I could go into the scientific parts of it where we're using growth factors and stem cells to do this with your own tissue. So I just need a little bit of your tissue and then have a scaffolding of cellulose and collagen and then make your own ear. But the, the coolest thing is we can make your own organs. Now China's over there making clones and growing people 
to kill them because 33 people a day die over there waiting to be, you know, waiting for an, uh, an organ transplant, which, you know, it's kind of, for me, I can't really agree with that because it's, you know, it's a person. <laughs> yeah, what was amazing when you start getting into your medical self, because you have all this knowledge, is you were saying that we have today the ability to not only regenerate ourselves, our tissue, our teeth, or you don't have to have a prosthetic arm, you could regenerate these things. But you also say we have the cures for a lot of the diseases. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I met the guy who invented <laughs> HIV, I met the guy who cured HIV. Um, there's a lot of viruses that come out new all the time. It's just for testing, you know, uh, it's for sale to countries and terrorist groups. And if you have ever walked through a bus station or an airport or a major city or passed by a camera under a red light, they pretty much have your DNA signature which is pretty much all of you. And that DNA signature, every one of you give off a different frequency. And this frequency is in a database, and this is a control thing. And it also has to do with race, political too. So they can actually send down a frequency to this exact individual political or beam the whole thing through seven I bet republicans have a much lower lower vibe frequency frequency know exactly that you're sitting in this chair in front of me and then stop your heart what? and this is beyond scalar infotometry read tom bearden's book and you also Oblivion. and you also mentioned they could they could exterminate whole groups of people because of the signature of right the DNA. so they can they can actually terminate an entire race due to its lineage if they really wanted to which is very scary so if they wanted you know a certain race you know completely genocide you know they can actually do that right now so this is a scary, right. this is a very That's... scary and negative part, which I don't like talking about. No, well, it's not necessarily, because every technology has a positive and negative use. Every technology, and I How know that positive? in your heart, Get rid of a whole your conversation is 90% that you want to go back into the biomedical because you want to save, and uh, you want to save people, and you love, you have a passion for the medical, and you know you can help people, and you want to develop these positive technologies to help people. I mean, you've talked to me about that, that that's well, your real intention. Yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, no offense, this is like just a hobby for me, I'm just telling you my... <laughs> life story it's not it's just something i wake up like you guys do and go to work and this is what had happened to me but it led me to these inventions and these patents that i can cure you with your own you know cells from your own body i can concentrate the healing properties of your body and put it into an area of your body that needs it the most whether it's your brain or your knee i decreased total knee replacement and total hip replacement by 55% in the United States of America. Wow. Just by concentrating um, the growth
growth factors and platelets in your blood and injecting it into the knee. Orthopedic surgeons hated me for the first five years <laughs> because they make about $1,200 from insurance for a total knee. And that patient's out, you know, a couple days and the PAs have to be there. So much cost with the hospital. And I said, until I said, you know what? You can charge the patient $2,500 and use autologous platelet-rich plasma. Autologous means it comes from your own body, not someone else's blood. And inject this into this patient and get, you know, regenerate the entire knee before doing surgery or at least to prolong them having surgery another 10 or 20 years. And guess what? You could charge cash. Oh, oh, now they want to talk. Oh, I mean, I can make, they said, because when I came out my device, it wasn't covered by insurance. It's FDA 510K approved, but insurance doesn't want that. Big Pharma doesn't want that. You know, they want you taking the pills and putting the creams and doing the steroid injections which, by the way, break down tenocytes. So I, the whole steroid injection thing, I don't really understand this because it, we've already proven it breaks down tenocytes, so it actually makes it worse. Now, I'm not saying the 90-year-old, you know, uh, someone over 90 years of age who has a hard time you know, that grabbing mom. cornflakes out of the cabinet is in a lot of pain, then, yeah, go ahead and get, get the pain gone. But they're not treating... The actual issue they're taking the pain away for three months and it's going to come back and it's gonna be 10 times worse and now you need a shoulder scope by the way so it's this horrible circle in the medical field of, we're going to treat you now but you're you. still going to come back and get another treatment and then probably surgery and then maybe another surgery later on uh 10 years later so it, it's very it's it's, it's a, a very vicious uh, circle with the uh, American Medical Association, and I've been fighting them forever. But the thing is, we're changing. And the newer children coming out of the universities Ooh. are, well, they're, they're very conscious. And they're like, you know what? I just went through all this medical school, and I still can't, and especially in sports medicine, there's nothing here to actually cure the patient. This is just to get by. So by inventing these things, you have everything you need in your body to heal yourself. Okay. It's not under some rock in the Amazon. Okay? It's not some little fungi or something. Big pharma hates when I say this. You have everything you need in your body to heal itself. And sometimes we're just not at the right voltage for our cells to work properly. And that's another thing, because we're constantly being bombarded by the lights, by all the 4G, 5G, everything. But like I said before, it is strengthening us and our lineage. So our children's children will be super strong. And that's why the ETs look down at us. And I look at both them like they're superheroes, but we're the superheroes. They think we're the superheroes. They're like, look at all the crap these guys have been through. We have been stunted for 100 years of technology since Tesla. And we're still here. We're still using we're still gas. Plugging oil. away. 
<laughs> we're still plugging away. I, you know, I'm going to lead you into another area right now because I, you have so much to share. I mean, and you, you watch the Gaia episodes. Um, you, you know, people are always asking me about portals or portals or whatever and how you can. Uh, you talked about the uh, natural Find ones one. and the creative ones. ones. Uh, because you said to go to this other level, this other uh, dimension, uh, you uh, you had to go through these this uh, almost mysterious atmosphere to collect specimens. And it wasn't always tissue specimens. Some of it was flora and fauna. In fact, your story of, of uh, you know, taking some kind of uh, plant that can adhere to your body, uh, to it's like a Band-Aid. Was, can you tell that story, going through the portal and getting that kind of specimen, what it does? Hmm. Has that aired already, that episode, Olivia, about the uh, the plant the plant that eats people? Hmm. That hasn't? Oh, oh. Okay, I can't talk about that yet. Okay, <laughs> How many of you watch Gaia, me on Gaia? Raise your hands. Okay. Can All you right. talk about oh, okay. any portal experience? Well, I can't talk about... That, Can't talk but about I'll talk. Planet. I will talk about the portals. Okay. So there are areas uh, on the planet that have natural portals that have been here for millions and millions of years, and it has to do with the Earth and the ley lines and different uh, axes of the Earth, and also the um, astrological alignment for these things to open and close at certain times. So a lot of bases are built on these areas where they will build a man-made portal technology on top of, you know, above the area where this other real portal exists because they're harvesting the energy from that. And there's, this has been going on, by the way, when I was there in 93, this man-made portal technology on top of, you know, above the area where this also the um, astrological alignment for these things from the ley lines and different uh, axes up here. Okay. Can you right. talk about okay. any portal experience? Well, I can't talk about that, can't talk but about I'll talk, I will talk about the portals. Okay. So there are areas uh, on the planet that have natural portals that have been here for millions and millions of years. And it has to do with the Earth and the ley lines and different uh, axes of the Earth and also the um, astrological alignment for these things to open and close at certain times. So a lot of bases are built on these areas where they will build a man-made portal technology on top of, you know, above the area where this other real portal exists because they're harvesting the energy from that and there's this has been so going what on purpose? By the way. how when i was there in 93 this theory had two decades of videos of teams going through these portals to unknown places and collecting specimens and um could some of them be planets unknown planets well I, you know I, I can't truthfully say because we're we were debriefed to um, to a, an extent, you know, and we're not allowed to ask that. And I did not know. 
I was not allowed to ask that number one. And I do really, I do not know. And the only ones I did know were inner earth ones. Inner earth. That was okay. real. That was definitely real. So the inner plant, I'll say the other places that, you know, we went with these teams of usually seven people. Um, and you walk through this veil and it's just a little blurry, kind of like Saran wrap. Um, it's not like you see in the movies, like all this light. It's like you're instantaneously somewhere else. And it's the most, some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And it's, it can be very dangerous as well. And we also have, uh, we can take metal with us and drones. So we have a lot of drones that come with us and robots and cyborgs and all sorts of weird things that are on wheels that help carry a lot of the stuff. We also take canine units that are specially equipped in suits. And depending on the atmosphere that we go to, um, decides if we are going to be completely fully suited up or the atmosphere has is you know safe to breathe and, and things like this. It takes about two months to get trained to go to a specific place that has already been visited. So I never went to a place that was not already visited, that, that, that was not already recorded. So we got to see many missions and many hours of video footage before going to this place uh, from past missions. Mars. So we know what it's this plant is okay. We know that don't touch that rock. We know that liquid stay away from, you know, we know if you hear this, that, or the other. So the dogs are brought in because they can smell, number one, a lot better than we can, special gases and things like this. They can also hear frequencies and predict earthquakes and storms that are coming that might just come. It might be the most beautiful day out when you get there, and five seconds later, you're in a hurricane. So it's a very, you know, we have all this equipment and these cool little uh, robotic devices that um, have these big wheels, and they come in kind of like a rover you see, but way more advanced than the stuff you see on Mars. That's like a joke for me. It's like, like a cartoon thing. And, um, and then we put these poles in the ground. And then the poles and the computer uh, scans the entire area. It's like a radar. And in our helmets, we can see each other and we know where everyone's at at all times in case someone falls into a, a situation. Because there's been sometimes like, like when you go to the dry salt flats, you know how that's like really cracked. It's like cr those little cracks are all over the place. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Wake up, right? <laughs> and 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 you might think that's solid ground, and we've lost people, and you'll be walking, and boom. It just fell 1,800 feet through this this thing. They're gone. So this scanner scans backscattered low volumetric waves down into the ground. And so now we know where we can walk. We have a whole three-dimensional map of the whole place. And we learn this before we go there. But on past missions, you know, they found out the hard way, unfortunately.
So you've lost a man. Many, many people. I was just contacted recently uh, by, you know, this corporation to come back and do a mission. And I said, why? Mm-hmm. 